Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is born in the fury of the most violent storms on Earth. It has traveled thousands of miles, building in strength and size. And here, in a remote corner of the planet, some men will not run from its fury. They will ride it. You're not ready for it. I'm ready. So when the wave breaks here, don't be there, or you're gonna get drilled. He's a modern savage. If I say it's safe to surf this beach, Captain, it's safe to surf this beach! What's he searching for? The ride. The ultimate ride. What's up? The only thing surfers have in common with the rest of America is they're unemployed and love crystal meth. Okay, welcome to, I think this is episode seven of Surf Center. This is Chad White and with, along with my partner, Damian Farenfort from Free Radicals. We're in the Kaczynski Shack again up here in Topanga, California. And today we are going to actually provide you with fact-based information and not opinion. I know opinion is, uh, is, is, in, you know, is our stock in trade, uh, but, but today is, is un, you know, not, for, not unfortunately, but very fortunately, I think you should listen to this and we'll give you some information that you might want to really consider depending on what side of the COVID should we surf, should we not surf um, uh, fence you're on. Uh, this is this is some pretty incredible information from a, a source that is you know, beyond trusted. Yeah, so as we mentioned at the end of the last one, if you listen to Matt's, we got all excited after interviewing people and initially we had decided to do like an episode with three interviews, Matt, Sal and... A, you know, an actual doctor, right? And they ended up all being so good, so we thought we'd kind of drop them individually. And we all know you guys have got nothing but time on your hands because your pathetic lives at home <laughs> are withering Heart away. Yeah. All of us, don't yeah. worry. So, so like Chad said, we decided, okay, no more opinions. Let's actually deal in some facts. And to my surprise, who we thought was just a local surfer doctor down at Topanga turned out to be the CEO of St. John's Emergency Ward. Yeah, and he's been on the cutting edge. His name's Russ Kino. He's been on the cutting edge of kind of developing um, how to treat this COVID nineteen. You know, he talked. To, he talks a bit about his staff initially when they started. How long they've still been working, infection rates, a bit of everything, and then more importantly, kind of why we started this series off and wanted to talk to Sal and Matt and all these guys is like to find out where people are getting their news source, and some of the things that Russ says will kind of blow your mind on what you think is trusted news sources, right? So, yeah. you know, we trust news, they trust science. So, That's right. you know, so he's talking from a scientific standpoint. But before we get into the episode, Chad kind of mentions it in there and you'll hear it, but I really want Chad to tell the story about how he speared Russ, the CEO of St. John's, in the chest with the surfboard. Oh, yeah. So so I'm a, a kook. Um, he's, he's not a kook. He's no, been most a of you at home. Proper kook. <laughs> Um, no, I can actually kind of surf, but I'm a, but I'm a kook. So, you know, the guy that like can actually surf that it just behaves shitty in the water. That's completely me. Um, anyway, so I, I was, uh, this is probably maybe 15 or maybe 20 years ago. Um, I was on a wave, I was riding a wave at Topanga and I, and I, and I really properly didn't realize I actually burned him, which is maybe again, that's a kook move, but I'd burned our, our buddy Russ doc, um, at Topanga. And I was in the middle of doing a very 80s driven uh, slidey kind of 360 on this old single fin I had. And, uh, and I slipped off and the board flew into his chest. Now, mind you, about five years before this, I showed up in his emergency room with a knee that look, had, looked like it had a grapefruit in it because I just completely destroyed it. So, you know, Doc, Doc is taking care of me as a doctor. And meanwhile, here I am spearing him in the chest. So the fact that he came on to and was so generous with his time uh, and this on our podcast is is, is nothing nothing short of, of just heroic. Um, and and not only that, I've actually ridden a lot of waves in front of Doc, so it wasn't just one. And he'll, as you'll hear him say, uh, he you know he remembers each and every time that uh, that he's seen my big ass in front of him. So um, you know, with that, I, I one one last thing, um, you know. It is it is interesting that uh, you know we, we really do try to try to listen to all these different news sources for information and the thing that I think is so interesting about this is that you know not everybody has a person like this at their disposal but but a lot of people know nurses a lot of people know doctors a lot of people know and, and they might not be on the front lines as much as 
someone like Russ would be. Um, but I do think that if you talk to anybody in the medical industry, they're, they're going to tell you how serious this thing is. And, and no matter how much sort of, you know, opinion you hear around, um, it's not really going to give you any true information and you can take this for what it, for what it is. But I think Russ lays out a, a, a pretty, um, a stark reality for, for all of us. So, uh, have, but, but also quite hopeful and, and balanced, I think. So, uh, let's have a listen to what Mr. Russ has to say, and we'll catch you on the other side. He must be reconsidering now that he's remembering he's thinking about our our, our history in the water. He's like, I'm just going <laughs> to hang up. <laughs> yeah, I'm back on. yeah, I should. I should have. I, no, I, no, no, no. Use this as a as a chip with Chad. So, like, basically, you did this. He owes you, and on any day of the year, whenever you want, it doesn't die. I mean, you never lose, never expires. You can cash it in and say, Chad, I'm taking this wave. Yeah, but he kind of already has exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so one time I remember, and I'll just get up, and then we'll be done. I was doing a 360 on this single thing I had, and I wasn't wearing a leash, and Doc was behind me because I'd burned him, and um, <laughs> and I was. I was doing this 360, I was in the middle of it, and I slipped off the front foot, and the board went shooting into his chest. Like, and it was a big single fin with a pintail, like all the channels. Yeah. There's like fang tail kind of thing. Dude, that, I'm surprised he didn't drown me, but he, he was nice enough. Oh, he he was, he's a grown-up. He was a grown-up. Yeah, he really didn't realize if it had to actually, you know, revive me later. So, you, do you, I'm sure you remember that one, Doc, don't you? Uh, I remember, yeah, I remember. I remember a moment, Ted. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I, I got so much credit in the bank. I didn't even need yeah. to do this interview. I have so much credit already, Damien. You do. You got <laughs> lifetime involved. So anyway, the the, the purpose yeah. of this this, uh, this this call in this in this podcast is we've been interviewing people um, who who've sort of shown to have a pretty you know um, public opinion about about beach closures um, in the sort of COVID era. Um, we yeah. interviewed Matt Violas, who's, who's pretty much coming from this, the, um, San Clemente, uh, you know, and he's also yeah. a, a manufacturer. So he's got, he's got a bit of a, a, a political leaning that, that's, that's a bit more, I would say not necessarily right wing, but maybe a little bit more libertarian. Um, yeah. whereas, you know, we talked to Sal Masticella just now, who's, who's definitely probably more in that, what I would consider the left wing camp. Yeah. We're all getting all this yeah. information. You know, we seek out the information that, that best suits our political agenda and opinion. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and right. And so, one of the things that that that's dangerous about doing that when 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 it's not just your life that's that's in danger is that if you're on the right, people are saying it's no big deal. It's a hoax. It's it's and if it's not if they're yeah. not saying it's a hoax, they're saying it's not that big of a deal. And on the left, everybody's you know I I would say are a bit more I think a bit more logical, but maybe even on yeah. that in that case, they might be more hyperbolic as well. So what we wanted yeah. to do is reach out to you and just get, maybe just give us the lay of the land. You know, should we be opening beaches? What's the danger? Um, just, just give us the COVID breakdown and just what your experience has been with this disease so far. Yeah. Okay. So bottom line is, uh, look, the disease is obviously a serious disease, which is um, a lot more infectious than most of the other illnesses we encounter, with the exception of measles, which is probably the only more contagious disease that we've come in contact with here in the U.S. Um, 80% of people who catch it will be fine. And, you know, they'll have an illness for a week or two or maybe asymptomatic, but even those with an illness will get over it in two to four weeks. The other 20% around day six, will start to uh, get worse. And we're not really sure why this happened, but it, we know it's related to their immune system reacting to the virus. And uh, these are the people that need, uh, you know, intervention and critical management and who end up in the ICUs um, on ventilators, etc. And it, while it's true that Older people with comorbidities, you know, other associated illnesses like diabetes and heart disease and high blood pressure, et cetera, are more delicate and therefore crash and die more easily. Um, we've also seen it in teenagers. So, you know, it, it's pretty random from that point of view. And um, 
young, healthy people are definitely not spared. So that's kind of the background. And, you know, three, uh, three months ago, we had our first case in the U.S., and we've already got um, several drugs that we're using, and remdesivir in particular has already proven to be valuable in uh, reducing the severity of the illness. And we have other drugs that attack the inflammatory response that we're using that are also helping modulate the illness a lot. Um, so... Uh, the other issue about uh, lockdowns then is that, you know, it looks like most of the United States was seeded from New York, mostly from European travelers coming to, to New York, and then the, the virus uh, spreading from New York around the U.S. and to, to a smaller extent, a, a much smaller extent from Seattle. Uh, but we've been able to track the, the um, genetic makeup of the virus as there's different variations of it. And the, the type that was first identified in New York is the type that's mostly spread uh, out west to California and around the country. Um, so we, and, and to this point, it was a, probably a lot more widespread in the U.S. Uh, back in, you know, January, February, before we were even aware of it. Uh, before we were even aware of that first case, it was already spreading asymptomatically here. And so that, you know, whether you're on the left or the right, that's just the scientific facts of it all. And so in regard to surfing in particular, firstly, um, as a surfer and as a physician, I would say that surfing would have to be one of the safest sports uh, because we generally... Uh, don't come in close contact with each other in the water. There's generally a reasonable distance between us other than at super crowded spots like Malibu or Topanga where we do sit more uh, closer together. But in general, surfing is probably one of the safer sports. Um, I think the danger, though, comes in uh, going to and from the beach, talking to other people on the beach, looking at, you know, before you paddle out or after you come in. Um, when you when you go to the beach, you know, you're going to go buy gas, you're going to go get something to eat, you know, all of these kinds of interactions um, just cumulatively increase our exposure to each other. And uh, that exposure is intrinsically problematic for the sake of transmission. Um, I, 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 on the other hand, look, I, I do understand the motivation to... Um, get back out there because we have to balance the risk of transmission and the risk of illness and death with the risk of the of economic collapse and people going hungry and you know all of that kind of stuff so it's a delicate dance between the two and um i think maybe there's some ways that surfing could be made manageable um, but in general, at this point, I think that it's, I, I mean, look, as a surfer, I'm itching to get back out there. Uh, but as yeah. a physician, as a physician, I'm deeply worried that, uh, not particularly by surfing, but I'm worried that if, in general, uh, restrictions are relaxed. We're going to have another bump and, and the California bump the second time around could be a lot bigger and a lot worse. Um, we don't have the bandwidth to manage illness uh, in a large swath of the population. If we're faced, you know, with a, a New York type scenario in California with 40 million people here, we would be completely screwed. Um, so that's a huge worry. And if I had to pick one evil over the other, I would say at this point, it's you know, if it has to be all or none, and I, maybe it doesn't have to be, but if it has, had to be all or none, I'd say we're still probably better off staying, uh, you know, isolated um, until at least we see what's going on in the other states where they're releasing the isolation and relaxing lockdown. If we see that they, they have a, a big spike, that'll be our 
uh, warning to heed to maintain what we're doing now. So, um, you know, I, I got to say that I think that the lesser of two evils is just to hunker down and keep doing what we're doing. Unless there's a way that someone could think up that surfers would be allowed to go back uh, in some sort of socially distant fashion where it was more guaranteed that we wouldn't be in close contact with each other. Um, well, that, yeah, know, I, yeah, I, don't, I mean, you're exactly right. That's the, that's the issue, right? As surfers, we kind of just think, and because our sport or lifestyle, whatever we call it, is just the greatest thing in the world, that we deserve to go surfing. And, but the guy that plays, and it's more important to play basketball, right, to somebody else. So that's the hard part. It's, uh, as a city official, you're going, well, that's your sport. Somebody else's sport is playing basketball. So if they can't do it, you can't do it. And so for some reason, we, especially as surfers, we justify it in our heads. Well, it's the safest option, safest sport of the bunch, right? Yeah. But how long do you think, Doc, would you say that the, um, you know, if you had to guess, which is, I mean, terribly to do, what, where do you think that, that you know, how, how much longer would you say we would social distance and, and keep the beaches closed or, or, you know, I mean, they're not closed. I mean, everybody's going surfing, but the, you know, it, like you said, you're the guy on the front lines and you and your teams are on the front lines and those are people you work with every day and you've got to think about all the time and, um, is it is it another month? Another couple months? Is it six more months? Is it a year? Like, what's your what's your sort of what's your crystal ball say? Um, well, at some point, no matter no matter what, um, because of the economy, we're going to have to get back out there to some extent. We just have to. The thing is, what we're waiting for is herd immunity or a vaccine. That's going to be our ticket out of uh, our get out of jail card with a herd immunity or a vaccine. Herd immunity may be much more widespread than we think, but we can't tell yet because we don't have enough testing to measure how many people are already positive. And, and we also, from a scientific point of view, we don't know that if you've been exposed and you've got antibodies to it from having been exposed, are you safe from reinfection and are you safe from a, a variation, in other words, a mutation of the virus? So um, we gotta, we, we really should wait if we don't want to risk another New York scenario here in California. Um, we should wait until we just have more information. Um, I think we'll have a lot more information in a month from now based on what happens to the other states who are releasing their isolation and letting people get out. If they have spikes, we're going to know that, um, you know, this is more of a problem than we had hoped. So right. I, I would, I think we've got to take it one month at a time. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think Newsom in general has handled it pretty well from, um, from a physician's point of view in terms of forget about, forget about the politics, just looking at the science and looking at the data. Um, he's been careful. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, and I think we need to continue with that sort of general approach to being careful and stepwise in how we address this. But, of course, we've got to get the economy going again. Otherwise, we're going to be in just as deep a water from that point of view. Exactly. I mean, so what do you see? Do you, do you guys do any have, – have, have you been looking at it sort of at, from your – through your lens, like what that other scenario is? In other words, what you just mentioned about the economy and what those ramifications could be from a, from a public health perspective. Like, does Abs it does – Absolutely. It, Absolutely. Yeah. Look, I'm very mindful of it because, you know, we deal day to day with homeless, with suicides, with depression, uh, with people who don't have health insurance because they've lost their jobs. So at some point, if we just stay locked down, it's conceivable that the economic fallout could have a greater human cost than the disease, you know, from all of the things I just numbered off, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, millions of people losing their jobs means millions of people potentially losing their health insurance. 
which, you know, and potentially having illnesses that could bankrupt them and, and that ends up in homelessness. And then from there comes, you know, suicide and depression and all the other problems that we see um, in the emergency department. So, so I'm extremely yeah. mindful of the economic fallout um, of this. And that's why I said at the outset, we can't just look at the illness. We've got to balance it. And, and I think it's a delicate dance between the two opposing forces, the need to get back out and the danger of doing so. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to know, but I, I, I don't think from a, look, at least in that regard, getting back out surfing is not critical to the economy. Um, so I think we've got to let those people do their thing first where, where there is economic uh, impact and um, you know if people have got to be circulating that's the, that's the first group that have got to be uh, unrestricted to do their thing because that keeps everything afloat and um, uh, you know as much as I want to get back out this surfing I do feel like uh, as Damien said if it's you know if we let one group out then we've got to let all the you know everybody else out with all of their sports then the whole thing unravel and um, kind of a problem. So um, I, I think we're in a situation of short-term pain for long-term gains here. Yeah, and that's, I think, what, what that's what, so I think for me anyways, personally, is a bit frustrating when I do read a lot of these sort of posts, which are, you know, talking about Gavin Newsom being a tyrant and like, and, you know, equating him to being a Nazi and just this, you know, just yeah. this, all this hyperbole on that side is just, it's just unfair and, and, and obviously very short-sighted. Um, with, yeah. with, with that in mind, yeah. who, who, where, where are the best resources for our listeners um, to, to learn about, like, you know, I mean, is it, is it the CDC? Because the CDC seems compromised to me um at the moment in terms of it just seems politically compromised and that it's just being it, it it sounds to me like there's been a lot of they've softened their approach on on their guidelines instead of it and that's in saying things like you know where possible do social distancing rather than you must do social distancing to keep your factory open or whatever um what's the best source for for us to, to learn these things if, if we don't know russ kino and we can't just get you on speed dial you know, that's a really good question, Chad, because there's no question, in my opinion, that um, the CDC is having to juggle other issues other than the medicine of it all. They're juggling uh, other, some of the other pressures we already alluded to. Um, and another example of that was with the PPE. You know, they, were, they, they, had, they put out um, guidelines and they've since tightened them up. Um, you know, their initial guidelines about PPE were, were not adequate. And a lot of physicians and frontline workers got sick. And so, you know, I don't think the CDC is um, a source I personally trust at this point yet. Um, the WHO, uh, same. Same problem there, I think, especially with um, their relationship with China. I think that's they've been that's a problem too. Um, you know, I think the only way to navigate this is to keep your eye on the news, and you got to look at all points of view to to make a conjugated sort of p picture by looking at all the different inputs. Because um, I don't think there's any one source that's safe at this point. You've got to listen to all sources, the various news channels, you know, people have their political, as you had originally said, they choose the narrative that fits their political ideology. And I think that's really dangerous. I see it on the right and I see it on the left. And um, I think you've got to be willing to look at both sides and take the good and the sensible input from both sides. And I think there's there is good and valuable input from the left and the right, but you just can't take all of it from one side or the other. You've got to balance it. 
I mean, I think that's a that's something that we've been we, we, that's exactly what and, and we thought when we talked to Matt Violas that he that he would be you know a little bit more uh, more stringently on the right, but he was saying you know that the it was encouraging actually to hear him say he was really digging into all different different um, different information sources that that may be you know uh, not something that that folks around that sort of San Clemente Orange County region would be doing right so. You know, he was complimentary yeah. of, of of some some left leaning news sources as well as some uh, as well as you know I think the the more obviously the more right leaning news sources that I I happen to yeah but that's just my again my political bias so it's not that I'm right or wrong it's just that that's the way I see the world um, yeah I, anyway I think you got to look on, on both yeah yeah that's right and I think that you know we all have where there's money to be made there's danger <laughs> right um, exactly yeah, right the, yeah. Yeah. So, the, the, how what what's been your personal experience in terms of like you're running St. John's, right? Generally, I mean, yeah. what's your, what is your yeah. actual title down there? I, I always forget. Yeah, I forget I'm the, um, the the chief of the emergency department. So I have a group of uh, emergency room doctors, and um, we uh, you know we, we treat the patients when they come in and stabilize them and. Uh, discharge them home if they're well enough to go home and admit them to the hospital to whichever specialist um, is is the problem that they need to have addressed. But a lot of patients have come in. Uh, right now, actually, there's a lot of really sick people presenting to the hospital um, with strokes, heart attacks, and uh, other really serious illnesses. The admission rate uh, has really climbed up. So the degree of illness has really increased in the last um, month and a half. Um, although we're less busy, we don't have the same volume as we normally do because people are so afraid to come to the hospital, which, by the way, they really don't need to be. I, I would take this opportunity to try to reassure people that they, most hospitals, all the hospitals now are taking a lot of precautions. And I I honestly believe it's safe to come to a hospital. And I think we've reached an inflection point where people are so afraid to come to the hospital that the illnesses that they're harboring and continue to uh, endure at home are, are causing more problems and they're dying of those illnesses when they should be coming in and being treated. Um, and we're definitely seeing a very strong trend in every ER in the country is seeing that right now. Our volumes are down, but the acuity's up. People are overly afraid to come in. And the people are dying of appendicitis, heart attacks, and strokes when they should just be coming to the hospital. And we could have been addressing these things and heading them off at the pass. So um, that's, that's one of my roles. And my other role is uh, working with the... Um, the IT system at our hospital, so I'm the chief medical informatics officer for the hospital, uh, dealing with all of the IT, and, and we're doing a lot of work trying to set up telemedicine to do remote um, visits and allow doctors to see patients remotely, um, allow family members to remote into the hospital because really all of us, are, all, all the hospitals are not allowing family, uh, any visitors at all, except on extreme compassionate grounds. So uh, we're really trying to uh, allow uh, video chats uh, for family members and, and the government, you know, CMS has relaxed all the um, uh, laws regarding um, health information and, and its confidentiality and allowing things like FaceTime for physician-patient video chat and uh, pre that's normally not allowed as a medium because it's not secure, but due to this pandemic, there isn't uh, all kinds of waivers and exceptions being made and allowing that. So we're trying to take full advantage and give patients the most uh, access remotely to doctors and their loved ones and to nursing staff, et cetera. So a lot of um, a huge amount of stuff going on, just changing what's going on and the way hospitals work and how doctors work and when there's going to be a lot of irreversible change here because, you know, um, this is the future and it, this has just pushed us to, to adapt to that a lot more quickly. So I, I think you're going to see 
uh, telemedicine take a much more central role, which will make everybody happy. Um, and, you know, the government's allowing physicians to bill for telemedicine visits all of a sudden um, through FaceTime. So, you know, that previously wasn't allowed. So these kinds of things are just going to make it a lot more seamless for everybody and usher in a new era in healthcare in the United States in general. Wow, that's 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 actually probably pretty exciting to be, you know, at the forefront. I mean, as, as much as it's a shitty reason to have that happen, it's a, it's, yeah, we've yeah. noticed actually that this that this COVID thing is actually, you know, for better or for worse, it's gonna it's gonna call the week, and and I think it'll it will it will um, it will energize the strong, right? Or or at least the at least the the innovator. So anybody that has yeah. a, it's an innovator and it's, and it's adaptable. Uh, will likely actually, you know, probably come out of this thing actually stronger than they went into it. Whereas if you're if you're not flexible, um, and this is, you know, this goes to surf brands and things like that that we typically talk about. Um, it, you know, the, the, those 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 are the those are in our opinion are the weak, and they're going to have a really hard time. So um, that must be pretty exciting to be doing that, and especially as long as you've been. I mean, you've been at it for how many years have you been at at St. John's? Uh, 25. Yeah, so 25 years later, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and I've probably yeah. known you all those 25 years, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I saw you with your knee injury in the first couple of years I was there. Yeah, that's uh, right. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, with my mom. You made fun of you like, hey, Yeah, with your mom. mom. <laughs> I thought you know you liked it. That's right. Now, we are, we are, we are brothers, for sure. sure. So, uh, to keep it a bit lighthearted, yeah. um, I have kind of two questions for you. What is the best or worst, depending on how you view it, conspiracy you've heard during this, this COVID? Oh, that's good. The, the, be, the, the best or worst conspiracy? Yeah, well, either it's like the best, meaning it's the most ridiculous, or like the worst because it's so ridiculous. Like, like it's all, this is all 5G related, or, or it was the Wuhan bat. You know the, uh, the the whatever the Wuhan, yeah. Um, you know all those just ridiculous things that people are talking about. Where, where what's the fun? What's the the worst? You know the one that you that you hear and you just go, you are so freaking stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, gosh. Um, well, look, I, the the truth is, I, my belief is that this this most likely just arose spontaneously, you know, in a population where there's super high density and, and lots of these animals like bats or civets, et cetera. Maybe it came from a lab in Wuhan, maybe. Um, but I, I don't think we'll ever know. But um, yeah. I, I have to be honest with you guys. I haven't had time to dig into any conspiracy theories. I'm working 12 to 14-hour days. I've got, <laughs> um, you know... A lot of a lot of uh, my team are, were, were they're not so much now. We're really afraid. It was a huge issue with uh, PPE and morale, trying to keep trying to keep the team moving forward. You know, pretty heavy trying to expecting people to come to work when they didn't know if it was going to kill them or kill a family member. I mean, it was kind of an insane situation, but. Um, I, I feel like we're over a hump now. I think um, a couple of my docs did get really sick, uh, but they're better. And um, I think we've got a much better handle on how to protect ourselves. And the level of morale and confidence has really increased. And we figured out how to manage patients much better. By the way, the way we treat people has changed 180 degrees from a month ago. Uh, a month ago, we were putting people on a ventilator as quickly as we could. And we have since found that doing the exact opposite is what we really should be doing. And so there's still a small number of people that still need to be on a ventilator. But um, keeping people on high flow oxygen and letting them breathe themselves and then starting them on one of these trial drugs that I, I mentioned to you at the outset, either remdesivir or one of the interleukin anti-inflammatory drugs, um, that's been really gratifying to see how well they're working. And um, the management has improved a lot. And then the other thing that we've got at St. John's, uh, which is pretty unusual, is we have these ECMO machines. 
Um, we have seven of them. Um, in fact, I don't know if you saw recently on the news, there was a 50-year-old policeman transferred up to us from Orange County um, uh, who was not doing well on a ventilator. And um, we put him on this device called ECMO, which stands for Extracorporeal Membrane Oxygenation. Basically what it does, it, it takes over the function of your lungs and to some extent your heart and oxygenates your blood for you so you can sort of be on this little device and sitting up in bed or brushing your teeth and you don't even have to breathe. This thing uh, oxygenates your blood. And that's been a game changer. Uh, and we've, I think just at St. John's alone, we have like a quarter of the ECMO machines in California. There's only about 30 or 40 in all of California and we have seven of them. So we're taking patients from all over who need this treatment and um it's it, this guy would have died and instead he walked out of the hospital basically and is back home with his family and it was pretty awesome to see so uh between the ecmo treatment uh the uh, remdesivir trial the interleukin trial that we're doing and how we've learned to manage patients better and protect ourselves um we're in a much stronger position but as far as social distancing goes, we really need herd immunity or a cure before we can relax. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the final the final word, huh? I mean, that's, it is. It, it sounds is. like it's kind of what I thought. It's what you don't yeah, want to hear is true, but it's just real. It's just unfortunately, it's just this is going to be with us for a long time. We're going to have to learn to live with it, and we will, and we will get herd immunity at some point. Uh, most likely, and or a vaccine, but I have a feeling herd immunity will come first. We just got to pray that this thing doesn't mutate so that, that we could get a second round of a whole fresh thing. Um, I think that's a worst case scenario. Most likely, I think we'll get herd immunity. And, and I think we might find the answer to that soon. As soon as we can do enough testing to see what percent of the population truly are uh, antibody positive, which means they've had an exposure. And once we can understand that being antibody positive protects you from subsequent infection or reinfection, um, we're going to be in a much stronger position. I think the next couple of months we'll start to know this as testing becomes more widely available. And as we do more studies on antibody positivity and what it means. Um, so we're going to learn a lot. So um, the future is optimistic. I'm optimistic that we're, we're making significant headway. We're going to get on top of this. We've just got to be patient. And I look at the isolation as short-term pain for long-term gain. Absolutely. And that's kind of the way we see it too. And then would, going yeah. back to the ECMO machine, would you call, yeah. is, that, is there any similarities between that and a hyperbaric chamber? Because I know a lot of surfers have had injuries, especially at the highest level. Uh, like even Jordy, he went into the hyperbaric chamber, which oxygenates the blood, right? Is it a different process in which it does it? Yeah, it's very different. Um, the hyperbaric chamber basically pressurizes you and, and changes the amount of oxygen dissolved in your blood. Um, this actually functions like a heart-lung machine, but it's a small device that you can walk around with actually you know it's not bigger much bigger than a um maybe eight inches by six inch by three inch box and you have a uh, a line going into a blood vessel and the other line going out of a blood vessel a different blood vessel and the, the blood this this machine circulates and oxygenates your blood for you and um it can keep you alive when a ventilator cannot. And um, so, but it's expensive and it's a very sophisticated piece of equipment. You need a really skillful ICU team to manage it and you need uh, surgical expertise to manage it. Um, it's high intensity and a lot of technology. <clears throat> it's expensive. It's a big deal. Um, and 
like I think only UCLA and Cedars are really only deploying one each at their hospitals, and we've got seven going. And that's wow. why we've been taking people from all over California to St. John's um, to try to save them, and we're having tremendous success. But, you know, not everyone can get on it. Yeah, not everyone can get on it, though, you know. So um, that's why it's so important to flatten the curve so we can we can do these great things in a, in a spread out enough fashion that everybody who needs it can get it. So my South African and hustle side is going to ask who makes the machine and are they on the stock market? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I, I don't know who makes it, but I bet they are on the stock market. That's a good, good point to do some research on. But I tell you what, the other uh, drugs are worth looking at, the remdesivir drug, um, and the company that makes that I know is Gilead Pharmaceuticals. And the other drugs which fight the inflammatory process in the lungs, um, interleukin-6 and other interleukin-2, um, they, those drugs, uh, I think, made by Genentech and Roche and those sort of companies, um, they're going to have a big future for sure. Wow. So are you, are you, are you allowed to give stock tips as a doctor? <laughs> Is that, a, is that legal? He doesn't have it's not a stock tip. Okay, that's true. All right, just making sure. I don't want to get you any trouble, yeah. Doc. And then one yeah, last, yeah, thanks. Last, last question is, uh, what? where's the first base? Once it's all done, whether it's 6, 8, 12, 18 months, where's the first base you're going on a third trip? Well, I'll probably go home, back to Western Australia. And, uh, you know, I go back every year or two and surf with all my high school buds and... Uh, pretty amazing to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, the reality is I'll probably paddle out at Topanga because that's close by. Uh, but my first surf trip will be back to West Oz, for sure. And down to Margaret River Zone or Yelling Up area? Yeah, exactly. North Point, Kawaramup Bay. That's, there you that's go. my the spot. place for, surfer, for, a, for a natural food surfer in the world. Yeah, it is. Question. It really is. And he yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's unreal, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to explain that all to us. Yeah, Russ, that's, that's amazing. It's probably the best best chunk of information I think anybody can really hear about this thing right now. I don't, I don't think anybody's talking with this amount of clarity. So um, you just elevated our, our whole situation here, like beyond what it should be. Um, I don't think our listeners Happy to do deserve. it. <laughs> they don't deserve <laughs> this kind of information. <laughs> Knuckle draggers, all of them. Um, yeah, right. right. We'll, we'll see. Well, hopefully, we'll see you in the water when this thing's when it's ready. Let us give us a text when you think it's uh, when you think it's a good idea to go surfing, and we'll we'll, we'll follow your lead. No way. I'm going to surf for a good month before I let you guys know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess we made that bargain with the devil, now, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so, yeah, for sure, guys. For time. sure. Great chatting okay. with you. Happy to do it anytime. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. So some pretty opening facts there. I mean, for me, some of the takeaways was just like who to trust in, in sense of like your news source, right? Like that he talks about the CDC and who yeah. even being kind of behind the eight ball. Yeah, well, the CDC, the CDC has been sort of softened by sort of the sort of pro-Trump rhetoric and the because Trump doesn't want the numbers to be that high. So and they want and they're pro-business. They want the economy to come back so Trump can win the election. That's my my takeaway. This is an opinion show and that's my opinion. Um the and and I don't think that's necessarily what Doc was saying, but he was saying that they're, that they're compromised in that way. The WHO is compromised because of China. Um, so there's all these new the, the places that doctors and scientists get their information from are all are that t- traditionally the traditional places resources have been compromised, right? So he's saying it's taking a lot of of effort for for him to find you know the right news source and the right information scientifically. So that he knows how to treat his patients best. So um, he seemed again. You know, you heard what he had to say in terms of all the advances and the fact that they have this. You know, they're saving people's lives and they've learned that they can go on and respirators and 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 that's maybe not the best can, thing. And can I tell you something brutal? When I was listening to that interview, what's that? About three weeks ago, I argued with my mom, and we all ended up a family. We were having a family conversation. My sister, mom, and dad, and we were arguing about she had 
because my mom's a WhatsApp doctor. Okay. And, <laughs> and she uh, she was like talking about um, the the ventilators and yeah. you know how they're not actually working and this and that. And I argued till I was blue in the face. And I was yeah. like, you need to stop sharing false information. That and now I have to admit to her she's right. Yeah. Well, so, it's like, your mom. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, if it was got, me, it'd be a whole other thing. I've got between now and like. When she listens to this, oh, dude. to tell her like you were right, yeah, you so, need to, you need to yeah you need to call quick. It was you got to like you got a three, a two or three days before yeah. you put this one out, but um, yeah. But the, I think the important thing for for me to, that that I heard there was that you know the takeaway was look short term pain, long term gain. Um, if we he hit you know Doc doesn't really think that we need to to go surf right now. He thinks it, essentially it's it's probably better if we just hang out for a little longer. But at the same time, I was also struck by the fact that he did say, and this is something that would be, you know, the sort of more of a, of a right-leaning talking point, which is, you know, the economy is is a factor, especially in public health. The minute that we have, if we have the, the sort of depression era numbers, which we do have now, um, you know, that's going to result in suicide. That's going to result in, in higher drug and alcohol use. It's going to result in depression. Um, it'll result in homelessness and then all of the different public health uh, issues that come along with being homeless. So he's looking at it on balance and thinking, okay, he still thinks there might be some more social distancing that we need to do, but you know, we also need to open the economy. He's so, saying open the economy, but you 100%. don't need to go surfing. Like, that's right. Unless surfing is your source of income. That's right. You don't need to be going surfing. You're and right. That, he did say it that way. Yeah. But to me, the most important thing I heard was uh, the Gilead stock. <laughs> <laughs> So and then I went and did some research last night. It's gained about twenty percent. Oh my god! And I reckon there's another twenty, thirty percent to gain in there. So this is, this is, uh, I highly advise you to take every spare cent you have right now and dump it into into that stock because <laughs> I'll be doing the same. This is this is uh you know this is we we are I'm not gonna eat, we're not endorsing uh I, I guess well Damien is I I'm not confirming or denying whether that stock will be you know um, all investments are the uh, responsibility of the investor. <laughs> Um, whatever those disclaimers are supposed to be, I just made that. Uh, I do think that that though that it's it's interesting that some of this stuff is working, and I do think that there is you know again, there's always opportunity in chaos, right? Absolutely. And if you can find out who makes that, what is it called, the Epco machine, the yes. one that produces oxygen, I haven't. Please let me know because I'll be trying to Google them and find out and see if they are publicly traded because that machine is about to. Well, Doc, Doc wouldn't let us, wouldn't, I know he knows the name. He wouldn't tell us the name of the company. I've been he wants him. us to do some research. I've been asking him to send me a picture of the uh, <laughs> yeah. QR code on the back or the, <laughs> the number on the back of the machine. Yeah. So, so our challenge to anybody that, that is, that, you know, thinks that they have the right information and thinks that they have the news source that's going to tell them, talk, you know, that you need to listen to this dude. This guy is probably as from every bit of information that I've heard. Um, I would hope and, that everybody listening to this podcast would, would, would and this guy surfs better than you. Yeah, that's right. So he's he rips on a, you. Yeah. He, this yeah. guy's a good surfer. He's all Australians are good surfers. That's right. But he's a great surfer. So he's just as eager to get in the water. And you know, he talks about North point. If you can surf North point and get checked there, you're a, yeah. North points is his, his home surfer, break right. before he moved over here. So he's not only is he a doctor, and he's he's as you'll see on our on our Instagram post, devastatingly good looking, uh, but he also tears. And I didn't realize that he's riding an MR twin fin now. And I that's you know Donald Day and and I own that. Uh, we patented that at Topanga, so he's gonna have to pay a, a, a fee for riding that board there. Yeah, Just, I think you'd argue the other way. You won't have to pay a fee. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so up next is um, the next episode, Saul Masakela. We don't worry, it's not too much more COVID. We kind of talk a bit about his stance on surfing and his instagram post the other day about like i know nothing about surfing and not realizing that surfers are so, so selfish but with so we really get and this is what i liked about it is a, a different opinion on the surf industry and why it's so in such a shit way you know yeah. what it lacks from culturally to a point of difference and beyond right so i really liked and that conversation with Sol afterwards i kind of thought about it all day and and i think you will too i think it'll shed some light and it's not just two grumpy dudes that haven't surfed in six weeks bitching about the surf industry it's yeah <laughs> it's somebody that makes his living outside of it but is able to try contribute and shed a good light on it one grumpy dude that hasn't surfed for six weeks yeah another grumpy dude that's mega grumpy that hasn't surfed in six months yeah so so that's a whole different thing but but sal is is actually inspirational and and um and it was great talking as just as it's been amazing talking to all these guys so it's, it's sort of like we kind of consider this a three-part series 
um, and we're kind of calling it loosely the COVID Chronicles. But the really Sal, as as Damien said, gets really gets a little bit deeper into his experience as a as a a, a person of color surfing, um, which is which is you know as we know we live in these little white enclaves, other than you know the sort of Venice area where we surf a lot. Um, the, the, the general experience is, is, is a bunch of white dudes surfing with a bunch of other white dudes and every now and then yeah. a couple of white girls and that's pretty much it. So if you think, you know, there's a lot to what his personal life experience was and how that informs, uh, the way he sees the world. And, and it was just, it was nothing short of, of amazing and, to talk about. And so like Matt, they kind of throw these grenades out there sometimes with yeah. the Instagram posts and my favorite people, whether I agree with them or not, are the people that stand up for what they believe and they, they're confident in their beliefs and they're able to back it up with information and a valid argument you know Sal talks about arguing with kelly in this next episode and like they you know they have different beliefs and how amazing it is that kelly's able to admit when he's wrong yeah or change his opinion right like if only the orange cheeto man up top would say like hey guys like you know i had a bit of a shocker here yeah this is this it, I, I imagine the response would be like okay cool like he admitted it like it shows some kind of humanity and yeah empathy and we'd move on like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Move on, but it no. just wouldn't crucify him as much as he thinks. No, hundred percent. We actually wouldn't. We would probably every the people at least my people in my camp would probably just be like, right on, man. Like, like cool, good on you for for yeah, actually, evolving. Yeah, but at seventy four years old, no one's evolving. No, dude, he's, he's stuck in his happen. ways, and he's yeah, it's uh, not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, well, uh, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the next one with Sal Masakela. We'll chat to you then. Hope you guys survive the weekend. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.